Now, back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Uh, really, just me personally, when I was in that in that process last year, um, mainly thing, the main thing was just to stay in shape. Because uh, once you get done training after pro day, uh, you take all your top 30 visits. So um, the main thing is just to stay in shape. And uh, once you get to working in camp, you make sure you're in the best shape of your life. But really, that's about it. Uh, get to know your teammates, your coaches. Uh, just get adjusted and learn your playbook. That's about it. That is Jawan Taylor. Thanks to the Jaguars for making the second-year offensive lineman available via Zoom. That's how we do it these days. And uh, we talked to Jawan Taylor uh, a couple hours ago now. And uh, he, he's always good to catch up with. Nice young man. He was cool to hang out with, uh, you know, in the draft process, uh, the, the combine to the pro day in Gainesville to being in Nashville. I remember him, and he looked sharp. He looked apart. And, and he had done so much to get his body in shape. One of my questions today uh, and concerns for a guy like that was, hey, now that you don't have the facility to go to, yeah. you know, you've done so much work to get your – and people talk about he is like as ripped as a, an, a right tackle can be. But he wasn't that way. Like he was heavy before mm-hmm. and, and he, he reshaped his body yeah. and reinvented himself in, in his time in, uh, in Gainesville. And so, well, when you're working out, like I did a workout today at home. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? It wasn't the workout that most NFL players would probably need to do to be in football shape when it, they're, it's time. Yeah. You know? It, but it was it, good for you, though. It was fine for me, but I'm in shape to do a three-hour radio show, not play football, okay? So <laughs> I feel I mean, fine. I feel good. Yeah. But Jawan Taylor's going to work a lot harder than I do, probably, yeah. well, to be and, ready for football. And not, like, I've noticed, at least with house workouts, and maybe it's my work ethic, but, like, I'll be halfway through the workout and be like, I could just cut this early and and be done with it. You know what I mean? Okay like it's it. never as good as being in the gym. Dude, yeah, put those headphones in, man, and vibe out yeah, a little bit. I just oh, have my oh, Alexa you're, playing. You're doing yourself a disservice, man. You have That's to get in the it. zone. But yeah, look, listen, in, in terms of Juwan Taylor, it's a testament to his work ethic then, right? If you can reinvent yourself change your body type, especially at the offensive tackle position, right, where you kind of have the preconceived notion of what a tackle looks like. And the fact that he was able to do that, it shows exactly where his mind is. And listen, I have, I have a lot of respect for John Taylor, number one, because I think he had a pretty good rookie campaign. Um, I think he's definitely going to be a, you know, a staple of the team going forward. And also, he's my son's favorite player. Now, I, I told the story before, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah that's we're, right. We're, we're, I didn't, oh, we're fresh. I remember yeah, so, but I remember. Yeah, so, you know, we're at training camp, and it was, I guess it was bring your son to work day, so my son was hanging out with me, and um, when it came time to interview a Jaguars player, I had Juwan Taylor that day, so I interview him, and interview goes great. Um, the interview got deleted by accident, though, because the audio uh, wasn't up to snuff, so that sucks, but anyways, after the interview, you know, my son was standing next to me, well, Juwan sees him, and like, you know, Juwan goes up to him, kind of gives him a high five a little bit, and talks to him a little bit, and, you know, when... When you're, you know, five years old, that means everything. So, uh, needless to say, he's definitely my son's favorite player. And every single time, you know, I go to the the studio or if I go to the stadium, hey, do you see number seventy five? Because he doesn't know his name. You see seventy five, and you know, I'll tell him either yay, yay or nay. But deep down, I want to tell him, like, hey. We have Josh Allen, okay? Can I interest you in a Gardner Minshew? We're going to interest you. We're, we're going to go with an offensive tackle, a right tackle nonetheless, to be your favorite player. But it is what it is, man. Sometimes you say hi to somebody, it makes all the difference in the world. By the way, uh, that being said, nice job, Ronan. I like the pick, and I think yeah. Jawan Taylor. Jawan Taylor is a super nice kid. Yeah. Young man. He's not a kid. He's a big man, but he's a young man. And uh, I think he he might be really good. Mm-hmm. Like I think he might be really good. 
I, I have no idea what the hell really good it looks like in a right tackle, but I just feel like he did. Now, the funny thing is you say that, and I thought he had some great moments. He also had 15 holding pen, uh, 15 penalties, I'm sorry, uh, last year. So that's a lot and too many. But he went against some tough guys now, Cam Jordan and Von Miller. I mean, you name it. Go down the list of who they played last year, and he, he ran the gamut. I thought something he said interesting enough, and, and we'll talk about this a little later if we hear the sound, if Coos picks it up. But he still keeps in touch with a couple of those guys like Von Miller. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought that was pretty interesting uh, that, you know, he kept that relationship going. Maybe there's some tips here or there. And uh, I think that's cool about that fraternity. You know, that yeah. sometimes happens. I think some people can be real. Uh, hey, I, I, this is my I, I want to hold every secret I can hold. Of course, some people can be uh, there's some animosity between players. Sure. But then there is this fraternity part where guys share things and you hear more and more of that. The more you cover the league, you hear more about especially older guys taking young guys under their wings, whether it's Larry Fitzgerald's receiver camp that he does in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Von Miller, I think, does have a pass rushing camp. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things. I think that's cool. Yeah. You know, and, and that's kind of that was a rarity back when I played, it seemed like right where. You, you didn't really interact with offensive linemen too much, except that they're on your team. You know, yeah. like you, you weren't kind of getting trade secrets from other offensive linemen. It just didn't work that way. And I think you're starting to see, obviously, more of a trend now. You know, with the, with the use of social media and stuff like that. So, I think, um, <clears throat> listen, Juwan Taylor, to me, he's got all the potential in the world. But what I like best about him is his mindset. This, this guy's a throwback type of player. And I really can appreciate that from offensive tackle. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Jawan Taylor and and uh, uh, what. How good is this offensive line? Can it be good? All those kind of things um, coming up uh, in in just a bit because I like Taylor. I, I really, you know, you said Josh Allen, you said yeah. Gardner Minshew. Those guys could go on to have great careers too. Really stars, you know, and they they have more star value because of the positions they play, the start they got off to in their careers. But if you look back, would it shock anybody that Jawan Taylor is the best pro of them all? I don't think that would surprise me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a really good pick for the Jags in the uh, second round. So more on the offensive line, uh, because I want you to think about this when we talk football more a little bit later on in the program. What makes a good offensive line? Everybody hates the offensive line. Everybody always hates the offensive line. So what is a good offensive line? Like, how does it even look? Of course, if you ask every offensive lineman, they're like, we're pretty good. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> if you ask the Jags now, they're like, we're pretty good. If you ask anybody else, the Jags offensive line is awful. It has been. It's terrible. But I can guarantee you this. If you go to every college program, <laughs> every NFL program, <laughs> and probably every high school program, most would say, yeah, my offensive line isn't very good either that's the way it works we got steven hanging on the line action sports shacks on espn 690 what's up man how you doing today uh i'm doing pretty good how about you guys good not too shabby all right uh i read a mock draft last night and i really need you guys input um it said at number nine you get brent's pick at Derek brown but at number 20 you get mine and austin's pick at javon kinlaw i doubt it would happen but it is a possibility with everybody going at quarterback, receiver, and cornerback in these mock drafts. And I got to know, uh, Austin being a defensive lineman, if you were a defensive coach, how would you line up that unique uh, defensive line? Uh, pretty much one of the most athletic, I think, and basically would be the youngest defensive line in the NFL. So if we got Derek Brown and Kinlaw, how would I line them up? Is that what we're saying? Is that the yeah. question? All right, cool. Uh, easy enough. So Derek Brown, listen, Derek Brown at the next level is going to play a three technique because it's hard to justify taking a nose tackle and more than likely probably the top seven uh, picks of the draft. 
So you move Derek Brown to the three technique. If I was to draft Derek Brown and Kinlaw and get them both in the first round in base defense, I'm definitely putting Derek Brown at the nose technique. He's played that before in college, and I get it. You're kind of killing his vibe a little bit, but you have to do that. Kinlaw goes to three. Uh, you're gonna have you know Jan, or assuming Jan's on the team. If not, um, Josh Allen at the defensive end, and then whoever else, whether it's Smoot or Yannick Ngakwe, um, in that defensive end spot in the big end, and then from there, when you go to like to your hybrid, when you go to your nickel. Then I take two, three techniques, and I have Kinlaw, Derek Brown. I'm probably going to make Derek Brown my game caller, and then I'm going to have you know uh, Josh Allen and Jan or Josh Allen and Smoot, whoever else the defensive end is. What do, can, would, is that crazy? <coughs> like, would the Jags do that? I mean, would they if they already got Derek Brown with all the needs they have, would they even take Kinlaw? Or would you absolutely be like, oh, my gosh, that's unbelievable. I mean, I know it's very unlikely, but more likely in like a trade-up scenario, if they really wanted to get both of them, would it make even any sense? You know, to me, it wouldn't make any sense. It would be a little bit of overkill. Like, I get it. You definitely want to stack the defensive line to the best of your abilities because there's always depth and you can always rotate guys in. That's essential. But to try to justify taking two guys at essentially the same spot, putting the same position – you know, in the top 20, it's hard to come with you on that one. Yeah, okay. Uh, we're going to talk to Ken Babby here in just a, a moment. A, a thing I teased, I just want a quick comment on it. Am I crazy to think, why are people uh, linebacker, mocking linebacker to the Jags? I've seen it. Mel Kuyper did it today at 20. I've seen Patrick Queen at 20. I mean, I get the Isaiah Simmons one. Take him off the board. He's more athlete and try to find a way to use him. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense. Why would the Jags? They've got, where do they put him? You're not going to go draft a, a strong side linebacker. With a top 20 well, pick, are you? And that's exactly the thing, right? Where if you were to draft a linebacker, you got to put him at strong side. Miles Jack playing the weak side, obviously, and you just spent money on Schobert. So the only logical explanation would be to draft a first-round guy at the strong side. Keep in mind, if you do that, he's only playing 35% of the time. Exactly. So Makes no sense. Doesn't make that much sense they to just, me at all. Those two contracts, man, are worth $100 million over that. Yeah. Like, are, are they people not paying attention? No, Brent. It's Jacksonville, all right? No one's paying attention to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, you have to accept that, and you can move on, man. I, it, it really makes no sense. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and I know how I feel when quarterbacks get talked about with number with the number nine pick. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's switch gears now and, and do what we're doing today, and that's celebrating minor league baseball here in Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. And happy to be joined by owner of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, Ken Babby, right now in Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Ken, hope you and your family are doing well, and uh, – I can't imagine there's there are many more people that miss baseball more than you. You not only own the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, but the Akron Rubber Ducks up in uh, Ohio. So this must be, uh, where's my baseball? Oh, this is killing me. And I think a lot of us are, are feeling the same. It, it, this is surreal. And I think, obviously, there are bigger things going on in the world and in the community. And, and we try and balance that in our feelings. But, man, I mean... I, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel tomorrow when I wake up on what would have been opening day, and I think a lot of us are are, are just are just you know maybe all these years we took it for granted the smells of the ballpark, the sound of the crack of the bat. Uh, I saw the piece that you did with the umpires in town this week. I mean, it is this is a very very strange time, that's for sure. Ken Babby with us, owner of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. I, I was telling Austin at the top of the show, I. I interned slash worked for the Pawtucket Red Sox. I'm from Rhode Island. Uh, you know, there's a special place in my heart for minor league baseball, but I don't think I'm alone in that. I, I think there are so many folks that love minor league baseball. And I always say this, I'm being honest, I'm not sure they 
care that much about the W's and L's, but they love exactly what you just described, the smells of it, the passion of the game, the uniqueness of logos like you guys have with the jumbo shrimp and ballparks. Uh, and you almost have to surround yourself with those people because you ask so many uh, of your employees, I'm sure, to do so many different things, right? They wear many hats. Uh, do you sense that from a lot of the fans in Jacksonville, people in Akron that you run into, that, that just there's something different about minor league baseball that's sometimes even tough to describe? There's a magic and charm to it. I mean, I you know, it's interesting. And, and we all have, you know, great memories of growing up at the ballpark. And, you know, for me, it was going to games with my dad at the at the big league level. It was in Baltimore uh, with the uh, with the Orioles and, and, and Camden Yards. But but really the best baseball memories that I have as a child and then as I ultimately became a father of, of my son Josh, who many folks have seen around the ballpark, it, it, it's the it's the thrills of the minor league experience. It's the food, uh, you know. It's it's the fireworks. It's the music. It's the ambiance. It's the accessibility of being able to to sit there and watch a BP and uh, and 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 hear that just an insane crack of the bat uh and you're right i mean while i you know we're, we're honest with ourselves to know there aren't too many people in town that are maybe losing losing sleep as to whether or not the jumbo shrimp win or lose a game they're on their way home often and they they you know they they, they talk about how much fun they had and how cold the beer was at least we hope the adults are saying that uh, and you know especially and, on thursdays and i think i think that's what's so special about it it's so special about it and this this is a particularly unique year something i hope we never have to go through again but I have to tell you guys, and we're on Zoom calls like every other business in town, our guys, our staff, they are working around the clock. We are giddy for the point where Mayor Curry and the governor say it's safe to, to resume baseball. And I promise you when, when one to one financial ballpark opens, it's going to be a really exciting day. Ken, the great thing about you know minor league baseball is it's the creative ways that you know teams like the Jumbo Shrimp come up with to kind of keep their names out you know in in the public you know and it's it's the creative ways of you know trying to be recognized nationally I guess I mean with baseball essentially being shut down right now I mean is it still kind of business as usual for you guys to try to keep your names out there in the public and everything like that and trying to find creative ways to do that. You know, I, I think it would be, uh, you know, I'm not sure I would use the term business as usual. You know, we may try and sort of convey the feeling that uh, that it's business as usual. But in some ways, we've actually shifted a lot of our messaging and a lot of what we're doing uh, to be cognizant of the world that we're living in today. And that the reality is there there is no uh, formal baseball game at the ballpark tomorrow, although we're going to do a virtual opening day experience, which fans can, can follow along on, on Facebook and on our digital channels. And so we're trying to force ourselves to think differently about what's happening, find the right ways to honor the healthcare workers and people who are on the front lines. You know, we launched a Jacksonville Heroes program a couple of weeks ago, which fans can learn more about, all about trying to find ways to, to be to be in touch with what's going on in the community, to go and be in touch with, frankly, what's going on in our country and around the world, uh, and, and use the relationships that we've built with these incredible partners uh, and with our customers to build something that's really special. And so, you know, that's that's really where our focus has, has been uh, until we can get back to actually physically playing baseball.
Ken Babby, owner of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, with us here at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp Day here on the radio uh, and all the different platforms, of course, 10 different platforms you can watch and listen as we continue to celebrate local sports in the area. And, you know, I guess selfishly, uh, and, and you don't have to respond to this, Ken, but I'll just say – In our business, in our TV business especially, I always say to folks, I said, we've been trying to reinvent ourselves in local sports for a long time, you know, because it's sometimes pushed to the back burner. People said it's kind of a dying thing. I kind of think, you know, what Ken's talking about a little bit is minor league baseball and organizations and franchises are always reinventing themselves, trying to think. They have to be so creative Mm -hmm. all the time and think about these guys, what they've been able to do the last couple of years. So I love what you're doing with – this community effort. I, I saw one uh, with Bonos, I think, and, and maybe it's five dollars going toward. Yeah. Be more. Uh, yeah. I didn't get all the details on that, but tell us a little bit more about some of those programs before we dive into tomorrow's opening day. Yep. So you know, with the Heroes program, and I think that's probably the best example. Partnering Bonos that was on the cover of uh, Money Pages over the weekend. You know, we, we're trying to find ways to get money back in the hands uh, and and food in the hands of people who need it. And so. We partner with a variety of, of different organizations in town to try and find ways to help where help is needed. And, um, and, and those, those philanthropic organizations are all available on our website for fans who want to learn more. But there's also businesses in town. And, and we, we've heard time and time again about what's happening to the restaurant business in our community. And we urge people to take advantage of these, you know, these, uh, these services that allow you to be able to have food delivered to your house. Uh, to be able to 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 do carry out where you're allowed and and find ways to be able to to, to help these businesses they they desperately need it and these are partners of ours they support us and have supported us for years to come um, and so so yeah definitely reach out and learn more about our heroes program on our site to your to your point Brent too I think you know n- nobody wants to look at their business and say yeah we're innovative but I think there's been a an opportunity with this for certain businesses to think differently you know, about how they're going to operate. And, you know, yeah, it's, it, the reality is right now our focus is, is on trying to help our community. It always is, but to some degree, you know, we're going to think differently, be different, and sort of refocus our business on, 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 on thanking all the people that have been just so incredibly helpful through this crisis. And we know that when the dust settles, the sun will rise again, and, and, and we'll be playing baseball, and those guys will be out at the ballpark celebrating. So there'll be, there'll be time for Jumbo Shrimp Baseball after right now we think that the priority is to try and support the community and tomorrow night online we're going to try and create the the thrills the 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 feels maybe not the smells of the ballpark through the computer we haven't figured out how to innovate but but if we could we would and you'll see some of the some of the feels that just make opening day feel special and i hope you'll open a a cold beer and 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 at least get the 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 feels of the ballpark to hold you over till we can do it for real. Okay, so tell us how this is working. What's you're doing this up in Akron as well, and and obviously you're doing. I think that one's on Friday, and I think uh, this one obviously is going tomorrow at noontime, and it's on Facebook. So. Wh- can you layman's terms it? What's it going to look like? Uh, you're going through like a nine inning game. But not necessarily with baseball. I think more with the promotional aspect and other things. Describe it to us. Yeah, we've we've seen a few teams uh, try and sort of simulate uh, opening day. And you know, one of the advantages of of us opening a little bit later is we've watched and we've learned and we've seen some teams do some things with with uh, MLB the Show and simulated games. And 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 to be honest, you know, the, the the starts of these productions are amazing. And then you go in and you look in the fifth or the sixth inning, and there's like twelve people there. 
actually watching the game. And so instead of focusing on a simulated minor league baseball game, a video game experience, which, by the way, if people have MLB the show, is awesome. The Jumbo Shrimp are in there, and you can you can team them up with any other team in minor league baseball. Or my favorite thing to do is to be the Jumbo Shrimp and take on like all, like the American League or National <laughs> League All Star team. That's cool. Uh, just, that's what that's what my son and I did this weekend. But tomorrow is going to be focused on the ballpark experience. We're gonna we're gonna we're you're gonna hear the national anthem. You're gonna feel the the thrills of the ballpark on opening day. You're gonna see some some videos and some sights and, and, and the sounds of the ballpark that make it special. Uh, you're going to see kids on the field. You're going to see the American flag. You're going to, you know, hopefully see, you know, burgers and hot dogs uh, sizzling on the grill. Uh, and, and then you're going to see all the things, I think, that you remember and love about coming to a Jumbo Shrimp game, the great in-between inning promotions, some of the best of the best of what of what we've been able to do these last few years, which we've been fortunate to all capture on, on great on great video. So, you know, I think you'll be able to enjoy the full experience in about, you know, 12 to 15 minutes. So for folks at home saying there's no way I'm going to sit there and watch a three-hour, you know, uh, opening day experience, you don't have to. <laughs> and we'll, we'll put it up at noon tomorrow because uh, we know people are working from home, so it gives you a great thing to do over lunch. But if you miss it, you can watch the whole thing right after it's finished. We'll post it. And people can enjoy it, you know, airplay it to the big screen at, ho- at the house, you know, cook up some 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 burgers tomorrow night and and relive the experience the best way we, we, we can do it until we can do it for real. So that's a little bit of a preview. We got a few surprises in store, which I'll leave for for the group tomorrow. My team would kill me if I if I reveal <laughs> them here. So you, that just gives you another reason to tune in. Absolutely. Uh, we'll try to get them out of Harold's Craw in the next hour. So you might want to text them. Don't share any of that stuff. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, Ken Babby with us, owner of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, Brent Martino, Austin Lane. We are celebrating the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp in minor league baseball. How, how uh, fond have you become of Jacksonville and the history of baseball here from the Bregans to we were talking earlier Bob Euchre to Alex Rodriguez and Randy Johnson and recently Christian Yelich's of the world and, and just uh, the rich history that a lot of your folks have helped document of of Jacksonville baseball well before you get to the baseball piece which are the obvious points that you just meant I mean my family and I we have fallen in love with the community and I think you know, uh, I didn't know quite what to expect when we got to Jacksonville. We knew the great history with the Bregans and the Suns, and we knew that minor league baseball was alive and well uh, when, when we when we got when we got to town. And and so I think for for us, it was the first year was really watching and learning and listening and asking questions. And obviously, those early days when we announced the the, the brand relaunch with the jumbo shrimp you know I, I joke with people and i remember coming on this station and 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 and, and several others around the community saying hey you know th- this is going to be a, a rebirth a, a chance to make what we're doing even more special and people were skeptical rightly so uh at the beginning uh but this journey has been remarkable for us and what we've you know this Harold and and Noel Blaha and the rest of our front office team. Uh, you know what what they've been able to create and the magic of the community has been so special. And to you know to formally celebrate that this year when we finally do open the gates with one to one financial our new naming rights partner is particularly special because you know that's really in alignment with the brand that has the same values that we do. Um, and I think that's really important uh, as we make this sort of long-term commitment. I think most folks know this, but we've made a, you know, a 13-year uh, lease extension with with the city. Uh, we announced that last year, and um, and it paved the way for us to be able to really scream from the rooftops that we're going to be in Jacksonville doing 
uh, you know, all the great things that fans have fallen in love with for decades to come. And then you layer on top of that everything you mentioned in terms of the history of great players uh, that have come through Jacksonville over the years on the way to the major leagues. And it's, it's sort of the icing on the cake, Brent, because, you know, that's as a baseball fan, which I think all of us are baseball fans, while we don't control the product on the field, we certainly love to sit back and watch some of these guys like Sixco Sanchez and others, uh, you know, come through Jacksonville, you know, certainly on the way to the, to, on the way to the major leagues. And that's, from my vantage point, just just the icing on the cake. Yeah, it's one of the great charms of minor league baseball, whether it's a rehab assignment or just a young player passing through on their way to greatness in major league baseball. Ken Babby with us, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp owner. Uh, we're going to wrap up. I'm glad you mentioned 121 Financial. I know that's uh, the naming rights. That's a huge deal. I know it looks like a transaction to the rest of us, but I know that's a huge deal for you guys, so congratulations on that. Uh, let's end with this. It, you get a ton of feedback. You said it. You listen uh, to the fans, to the people at Jacksonville. You also see it up in Akron. And I think a lot – I know it's not exactly the same, but I think the way you've operated kind of mirrors each other to some degree. Uh, heck, you guys could be the blueprint for minor league baseball on a lot of levels, how to run an organization, what you guys have been able to accomplish. What, what, what's the number one thing feedback-wise you get? What, what do people tell you about – they love the logo. They love the gear. They, they love the concessions. What what jumps out to you and, and or maybe even surprises you at the feedback you get? Well, I, thanks for the compliments, and you're overly kind. I, I mean, first of all, the, the number one thing I hear anywhere I go, whether I'm racing through the airport to get to the next city or, you know, pumping gas at the gate station or, you know, around the corner from the ballpark, um, it, it is, is, is don't get rid of dollar beer. So, you know, it's amazing to me, you know, for, for, for all the things that come out. But I, I, th- I think ultimately it's, it's, the, it's the promotional nights. David Ratz and his team continue to impress, not just with the giveaways. I mean, I think the Suns back in the day had some great giveaways. And, my goodness, you and I both know that Pedro's office was like a, a memorabilia shop to all the great Suns giveaways. So I, I you know, I, I nod the cap to the work that they did. Uh, but the, I think we have sort of evolved this to the next level from the, you know, jumbo shrimp neck pillow that we did a few years ago to the, you know, to the various giveaways that David and his team have been creative and won awards for. Um, we're, we're really proud of that. And I think, you know, we try and separate ourselves from other minor league teams in that regard. And they can be not only fun giveaway items, but these are nights that people, you know, have, uh, have you know, have, have, have sort of modeled against and um you know a true two for tuesday where we brought in a you know a cancer survivor last year and truly only had two fans in the ballpark to enjoy the full jumbo shrimp experience with everybody else locked outside no other team would say no fans are invited in we're doing something really special tonight for for two very important people in our community so those are the things that give me the chills and i'm so proud of our team for the work that they've done, Brent. And, um, you know, those are the things that are the hardest right now as I sit here tonight and I, you know, think of what would have been the night before baseball. We're just going to have to hold on a little longer. I've been telling my wife this is truly the longest off season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess I lied to you. Let me ask you one question, one more. How, how can, are you guys okay? Is minor league baseball okay? Uh, can you survive in these times uh, as, as this continues on? I mean, in, in essence, you're kind of small business, uh, I would say, well, right? You fit under that yeah. umbrella, uh, but you also, you have some jurisdiction at the top. Like, I don't know what they're telling you, what you can even share, but, um, what do you, how will the health of minor league baseball and specifically here in Jacksonville, how will it come out of this if we say are in this for another couple of months? 
Well, you know what, and it's it's good for you to ask. And you know me, I'm an open book. I'll, I'll share everything I know. We are we are incredibly fortunate here in Jacksonville. We're we're not going anywhere. I can make that commitment right here. We're here for the long haul, and we're well positioned for all the things that we just talked about because of our incredible support from our fans and partners that have committed to stand by us through this. Uh, I can't speak for the you know the the, the other the other cities uh, in terms of what they're experiencing. I can only speak from our experience in Jacksonville and what we've heard from Akron. And I can tell you with, you know, unbelievable certainty, you know, our, our full-time front office is in place. They're not going anywhere. We've committed that to them. Uh, we're doing everything we possibly can to deliver value for our partners as they hang with us through this. And so, uh, you know, I, I do think there'll be some cities and there should be some markets that were frankly troubled going into this. You know, there's 160 minor league teams, and and some of them have been under great pressure as we approach our renegotiation with Major League Baseball. That's been out in the press, Brent. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this will be a a tough time for some of those teams. But fortunately, you know, not only do we have a strong market and a strong team, we play in a very strong league with other very, very successful clubs. And so we're we're fortunate these are the days that you sit there and you certainly count your blessings. And, And yet another example of why Jacksonville uh, it's just incredibly special. So what rest assured and, you know, for everybody out there listening, we can't wait to be back and can't wait to be able to deliver a great affordable family fund as soon as it's safe to do so. Well, that's good. Uh, good to hear. Uh, continued success. Uh, be well with the family and, and we can't wait until they throw out a first pitch uh, over there at Bragenfield, the baseball grounds, one, two, one financial park. Uh, did I get them all in? You got them all in. That was good. <laughs> Thanks, man. We, got, we, we appreciate got time it. for it. So if you want to add a few more names, that's fine, too. <laughs> Thanks. We appreciate the time. Good luck. Stay safe. Okay. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp owner uh, Ken Babby. Listen, I'd be lying if I didn't say I thought he might be out of his mind when he bought the team. Sure. For like $25 million. Yeah. He's been unbelievable. He's done yeah. an unbelievable job. And listen, that does not discount anything the Bragan family did. Bragan family is will always be historic in Jacksonville uh, and, and should be and should be celebrated. But uh, where the, the franchise now is and sits and with the jumbo shrimp and the uh, the gear and everything else, I mean, it, it is pretty cool. I joked earlier, you know, we got the hats and the shirt and mm-hmm. all the stuff. I might have more of this gear than, than the Jags gear I have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's uh, really fun. And I always tell the story, in Cooperstown, they had jumbo shrimp gear when we were up there with, with Ty's team. Nice. And they're all over the place, you know, because yeah. people like the minor league stuff. What's your favorite uh, go-to concession at the at any any ballpark? You eating the sausage? Is it just a basic oh, hot dirt? No, you gotta no. go with a brat, the pretzel, um, the popcorn, the not, dip and dots. Not a big pretzel guy, can I tell you the truth? Because half the time, I mean, no offense to anybody, but like, you know, pretzels can be kind of, you know, hard as a rock and it's like eating cardboard. So I'm not a big pretzel guy. If it's up to me, man, I mean, you have to go with a hot dog, and then I'll chase it down with some, you know, a kielbasa or a pola sausage, a chorizo. Oh, I like it. If they had it, and then obviously, I've shared this story before, but if you go to Milwaukee, you get those Cactus League nachos, a giant uh, baseball helmet, if you will, and then they just load it up with uh, chips and ground beef, jalapenos, cheese, everything you can imagine. So that's my go-to is the Cactus League nachos. When they changed from Jacksonville Suns to Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, here are some of the replies they got. This is seriously one of the worst decisions y'all could have made. Barely anyone goes to the games to start with. Y'all change the names to the Jumbo Shrimp. Some people still don't believe this because they think it's still a joke. Sports in Jacksonville seem to be going downhill more and more, and whoever is ahead of these decisions should be losing a job. 
Oof. How'd that work out a few years later? Oof. I'm not a sports fan whatsoever, but I even know Jumbo Shrimp is absolutely idiotic and trying to have an intimidating muscular shrimp for the logo. Just plain uh, stupid. I, should, I don't know about I that. Should, I'm pretty sure I said something to my comments one time about the Jumbo Shrimp. One more. Uh, this one's a good one, I think. Maybe. No? Sounds awesome. Love the logos, especially the one with the pot. I think it's unique and original, and we do get a lot of shrimp out here. Embrace change. So there was a positive one. More of those to come. Uh, maybe the main tweet segment of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Thanks to Ken Babby for coming on. We talked to Jason Fitz next. We'll talk more about the Jumbo Shrimp a little bit later on on ESPN 690. Well, I know right now uh, the NFL is supposed to be uh, crediting all the players with uh, some money just to get equipment for home use and stuff. So uh, right now that's where the process is going. Um, I've been training myself uh, along with the other few teammates. But uh, the virtual, I feel like the virtual thing would be pretty good, even though it would be different, it'd be a lot different. But I feel like we'll be able to get a lot of down on the virtual. So we'll see how it goes. Welcome to audio in uh, April of 2020 yep. when we Zoom with players of the Jacksonville Jaguars like Jawan Taylor. Hopefully you caught the gist of that. That was uh, mostly how guys are working out, you know. And there is a stipend the NFL is affording players to get equipment to be able to work out at home. Now there's this new virtual period as well where teams can take advantage of that. And if you listen to Doug Barone, when we uh, talked to him a couple weeks ago, he said they were already in the planning stages of recording meetings so they'll be able to distribute that stuff. What's really interesting here is there is not a more paranoid group. I'm not sure the CIA is as paranoid <laughs> as football coaches. Oh, yeah, and so man. to put that out there, their stuff, the way they do things, the playbook, so to speak, the installations – I think they'll be very careful with that, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a necessary evil right now. It is necessary, you know, and I'm hoping that in terms of the workout equipment, is that just for current players or is that pass and current players? Because, <laughs> listen, I have one 65-pound kettlebell, and I have a bungee in my garage, and I'm trying to make it work like MacGyver. My neighbors are like, we have no idea what this guy is doing. I'm trying to make it work. Obviously, I'm staying in shape to the best of my abilities, but, man, can I get, like, a, a sandbag? Can I get... Like just a dumb, like a bigger dumbbell, please. I need something, Brent. We have two like ten pound dumbbells. Yeah. And so we do this training for warriors workout. They've been sending them on Facebook. Okay. And uh, so you know, Steph and the kids, and mm-hmm. and so we're all in there today. And I have one of Baker's Sports baseball buckets <laughs> <laughs> with baseballs in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fortunately, only halfway filled. Sure. As kind of my weight. Yeah, and, yeah. And then you know you can do like those sliding things with like mountain climbers and stuff. You know, okay. you put them on your feet. Well, we're using paper plates. I like that. I like that, man. Sometimes <laughs> you get creative. You have to be creative, man. Sometimes you got to pull MacGyver just to stay in shape, but it is what it is. Yeah, I'm just wondering how many more tattoos Jason Fitz is going to end up with all this home time. <laughs> uh, doing them yourself now? What's up, man? How you doing? I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. It would save me a lot of money. Hey, I learned how to cut my own hair the other day. I won't say learned. I mean, I, the, the back's an abomination, but the sides look pretty good. So, you know, I figure if I can get this skill mastered, you know how much money I'm going to save every month not having to go anywhere to get my hair cut? Like, I'm thinking about ways that now I can start, like, being less frugal on other things because I'm going to learn how to do all this stuff myself. Plus, like, Starbucks, like, I went out and got one of those Ninja coffee makers instead. I've always wanted one. Finally took the plunge. I'm not buying Starbucks every day anymore because the ones in Tennessee are mostly closed down. There's nothing close to me. Like, I got to admit... I'm going to come out of this thing like my budget spreadsheet's going to look way different. I actually, you know, somebody sent me an email, an email uh, to, to work 
the other day. There's like a calculator you can do. Like how how far do you drive to work? How much daycare do you use? Okay. How many times do you eat out a, a week? And the quarantine and what you say, they say the average family is saving $1,700 a month. Wow. On the quarantine because I'm, they, not, I'm not surprised. Like I'm not surprised by that because I'm I'm the first to admit like there are just times when especially when you're getting busy like I'll look around and realize that I haven't had a meal at home in forever, you know? So you just start to you, you just get used to it. It becomes a habit. So I'm not surprised by that at all. We had banana bread come out of the oven today. I didn't even know my wife cooked banana bread. Heck, I didn't even Shots know my fired. wife cooked Shots until the last hey, month. Hey, Shots fired at <laughs> <laughs> Hall of Fame stuff. Wow, Brent, she listens <laughs> to the show now. Uh, you she need to get shut down, man. You know what? She would come on here, call in, and probably say, I didn't know I did either until yeah, the last yeah, month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all being resourceful, <laughs> and we appreciate it. Well, I hope you and your family are doing well, Jason. Uh, a lot to get to here. Uh, anything uh, this draft is is now in in full go mode uh the ton of talk about Tua and Herbert uh, how surprising is it maybe to you that Herbert is sliding up boards the way he has been at least on the mock draft level and trust me I'm not a guy that really sticks to the mock draft because I don't know what a lot of folks are doing mocking a linebacker to the Jaguars in the first 20 picks I don't get it at all uh, but that's what we have to go on that's a discussion point a lot of these draft analysts are really good at what they do too uh, Herbert sliding up is it surprising to you yeah, I, I mean, yes and no. So we're so quarterback obsessed. We understand that quarterbacks are going to fly up the board. And somebody's going to take the shot on Justin Herbert. That's fine. If I were a GM, I wouldn't bank my job and my ability to feed my family on Justin Herbert or Jordan Love, either one. So, you know, I, I think that there are two quarterbacks we're drafting in this draft that you think can be franchise savers in the first round. Everybody else after that, you can make a pretty pretty substantial question mark about them. So, to me, there's two quarterbacks and then everybody else. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see four quarterbacks go in the top 14, 15 picks because we're so quarterback obsessed as a culture. So personally, I wouldn't even there, – there's not even a, a conversation to be had about Tua versus Herbert, but I understand that, you know, ultimately somebody's going to make – somebody's going to take Herbert too soon. Big news in the NFL is Christian McCaffrey getting that new paycheck, you know, uh, getting that new contract and everything. I mean – He's a guy that can do it all and probably the most dynamic player right now in the NFL. It begs the question, though, for as much money as that contract is worth, is it worth it to pay him that much money, Jason, or should they have maybe have shortchanged him a little bit? Well, I think for, for their particular situation, look, I, you know, it doesn't sound nice to say, but running back is a position you don't usually pay, right? We all know that. So, And, and this just feels gross to admit it, but let's admit it. You know, most of the time you're you're looking at uh, you're looking at these guys and saying, all right, we'll get a rookie deal out of them, and then we'll just kick them to the curb and get another one and, and put, tread on those tires. But for the the Panthers particularly, they have nobody else that's going to put butts in seats. They have no other brands, and they have a ton of cap space. And that's sort of I think what's being lost in this. If you think that Christian McCaffrey at 16 million is too much, and I would the the two things that I would challenge with is they signed him early enough, so the market's only going to keep going up. In four years, will $16 million really put him overpriced? And then the other side of it is, if you look at their cap situation, they have anywhere between 60 and $150 million of cap space right now over the next three years. So they can afford him. So I'm kind of in the why not case with Christian McCaffrey. Does it mean they're a Super Bowl team? No, but they're certainly better with him than they'd be without. And, you know, they got their star lined up, so at least there's a reason to go to games. 
You know, with with Christian McCaffrey now setting the market, it begs the question, Derrick Henry. You know, he's he's been tagged and everything like that, but he wants a new deal as well. What does this do for Derrick Henry? Are we going to see Derrick Henry get Christian McCaffrey numbers? Or is it the fact that Derrick Henry isn't the most dynamic, you know, back probably in the NFL, where maybe his contract's going to be a little off the scale of, you know, a, a, a big thing like Christian McCaffrey's? Yeah, I have a hard time seeing Derrick Henry get the same type of money because Christian McCaffrey's just more varied as an offensive weapon. So no matter who your offensive coordinator could be, no matter what type of offense you run, you can get a ton out of Christian McCaffrey. Can we say the same about Derrick Henry? So I, I think that he's absolutely the most important piece to the Titans, there's no doubt. But I, I would be stunned to see him get Christian McCaffrey money because he is just ultimately a little bit more – let's say, one-dimensional as a player in what he does. I will say again, though, even with that, if you look at at a place like over the cap and you look at the way that they've done contract numbers, if you look at over the cap over the next couple of years, the Titans next year have $65 million in cap space. The year after that, they have $95 million in cap space, and that includes the contracts to Taylor Lewan and Ryan Tannehill and, you know, big money out there. So they can afford it. It's just a matter of what they're comfortable with. So I think Derrick Henry comes in a little lower. Yeah, it'll be interesting. No doubt they're different. It, if you look at McCaffrey's numbers, they're incredible. It's it's almost like I don't know if McCaffrey can live up the next four years to the way he's – or three years to what he's already done the first three years. Yeah. I mean, he has the same – he's the only guy – I think I saw this on ESPN yesterday – only guy other than Michael Thomas to catch 300 passes in his first three years in the NFL. He, you know, so many guys try to get paid as like two positional guys. You know, that's happened in the past. I think it just happened for him. I think he essentially got paid as a running back and a receiver, a guy that is that dual threat. I, I don't think teams like to go that way, but I think his numbers prove the case so much that he did it. Here's what else is fascinating, guys. Jadavion Clowney. Yannick and Gakwe, we're not sure where their market is dollars-wise, yet I can't fully grasp, Jason, that a running back just got $16 million and pass rusher right now is having a hard time getting 17 or $18 million. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned at this point about, you know, the, the contract situation for, for both Clowney and, and Gakwe. And, you know, if I had to choose between the two and I had the opportunity, I would take Ngakwe over Clowney. Uh, you know, but the fact that Clowney is still out there on the open market is surprising to me. And is that going to last all the way through the draft? I mean, do we really think that these guys are are just going to sit on the sidelines that long? I mean, it's hard for me to sort of wrap my brain around how that makes sense for anybody or why we're there. But my God, I mean, if you're in Gakwe, you got to be frustrated that Jadavion's still on the market because it's hurting your value at some level. Jason Fitz from ESPN with us, 1 p.m. until 3 p.m. It's First Take Your Take right here on ESPN 690. Check out the show, fun show. Jason does a terrific job. Uh, you have a football question because I was going to reverse course. If oh, not. No, 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 I'm just going to ask him a quick question about you know the, the pass rushing situation. And you mentioned it, Jason, where it is a little, uh, I guess, eerie, the fact that neither Yannick Ngakwe or Clowney have found a home yet. And do you see maybe a dynamic shift or like a paradigm shift in the NFL now where owners and GMs aren't really putting that big of a label on pass rushers anymore, right? Because if you look at, you know, the top five highest paid pass rushers of last year, you know, guys like Cleo Mack, Demarcus Lawrence, Von Miller, Trey Flowers, those guys, you know, their teams didn't really do that well. Now, obviously, the only outlier would be Frank Clark of the Kansas City Chiefs, won himself a Super Bowl. He was the third highest paid uh, edge rusher last year. But do you think teams are now kind of looking at the landscape and thinking, you know what? 
let's go a little more offense. So we don't really need a pass rusher because as you know, as the contracts dictate, the guys that get paid the most money don't have a direct correlation and an effect on wins on their team. Yeah, it, it, I think it's a pretty good example of, of confidence in offense and comfort in offense. I mean, you see Amari Cooper get $20 million a year, but you won't give a pass rusher that. So, you know, and if we're going to talk about inconsistent, I, I've mentioned it several times. I mean, Amari Cooper is a guy that shows up huge and then disappears huge, but that doesn't seem to be a, a detracting factor for paying him $20 million a year. So, yeah, I think we are seeing that, you know, frankly – Offense it rules the mindset of everybody, which is almost laughable to me. Uh, at some point, there'll have to be a breaking point for it. Jason Fitz with us from ESPN. First take, your take one to three on ESPN and right here locally on ESPN 690. Okay, just one quick other topic before uh, some crazy game. I don't even know about that. Austin's going to give you good luck with that, by the way. <laughs> uh, but uh, Cincinnati announced men's soccer program's done. And... Uh, are we about to see a lot of non-revenue sports go by the wayside? Now, keep in mind, we've seen men's sports before uh, leave, whether it was wrestling or another program because to fit Title IX uh, was the main motivation there. But is this pandemic giving schools of non-revenue sports a chance to kind of get out from underneath them and giving them reason to do so right now. There's also the group of five, I guess, commissioners, according to a report out of Yahoo, says that uh, they've asked the NCAA president to loosen regulations on some things over the next four years because of this pandemic and the trickle-down effect it will have. So I guess that's kind of what's out there right now and fresh today. But, Jason, are, are, are some of these sports, so whether it's tennis or soccer or, heck, even baseball, and some schools that still have wrestling, do you think we're about to see uh, this massive cancellation across the country of some NCAA sports at universities and colleges? Yes. And, you know, I think this is an unfortunate sort of get-out-of-jail-free time to do it also. I mean – I think what you're looking at is some of these non-revenue generating sports that they've needed an excuse to bail out of. They now have that excuse. And, you know, even if it was a borderline, it's not borderline anymore when you start talking about the economic losses. So, yeah, I think it's absolutely about to happen. By the way, I heard this, and I, I, I'm not smart enough to know the NCAA finances. And, of course, you know, March Madness really hurt a lot of institutions because there's so much money that comes out of it that gets distributed to a lot of the schools. Mm -hmm. uh, UNF, we had uh, University of North Florida. Um, associate athletic director Nick Morrow on a couple weeks ago, and he talked about the finances. They'll take like a $400,000 hit once you balance everything out in the spring sports. And a lot of that was coming from the NCAA uh, as well as like a little kickback there, although that's probably not a friendly word to say. Um, all institutions get it. Power five schools operate with that in mind a lot because they don't bring in what Alabama and, foot and Florida bring in in football to kind of run everything else. These power fives need that NCAA money, need that help, and uh, to try to keep up with the big boys in the in the power five. Um, so the group yeah, of five, and that's, that's why this is going to be catastrophic. Yeah, I mean, that's why this is catastrophic for so many. Yeah, and maybe the group of five is the most. If I, I'm sorry if I said power five and group of five, but group of five is is really the ones you got to keep an eye on, according to one person I talked to today. All right, what a game do you got? So uh, Jason, can get going. <laughs> All right, Jason. So check this one out, man. So the draft is right around the corner, right? And right now. NFL teams, they're doing uh, their due diligence, they're finishing up their, their grades and everything, and they're trying to get their um, I guess their, their mock drafts in order and, and you know the importance of what they need and everything like that. So 
the college athletes, they're starting to wind down now with the interviews. Obviously, you can't visit a team anymore. It's done over Zoom and Skype and things like that. So here's what we're going to do. In, in honor of teams doing their due diligence and meeting with the college players possibly one last time via social media and Zoom and all that, I took a bunch of questions that I was asked during these team meetings, during these visits, and I tailored them to you. So basically what we're going to do Ooh. is it's going to be a little bit of like a mock thing here where – I'm I'm like the biggest conglomerate of sports media in the world. Now, one could argue ESPN, you already work there, but imagine like if 60 Minutes had like its own sports channel, right? And it's like the most distinguished uh, channel of all time. And I'm trying to recruit you to possibly come work for me. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, once again, that have been tailored to you that I received um, during these meetings. And I'm going to see if you have what it takes to join my sports media conglomerate. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. And keep in mind, this is stuff I was asked during the meeting. All right. So uh, Does he right. get to say pass? Uh, no, no, he does not, unfortunately. <laughs> That's going to be a big minus if he does that. Big, 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 big red flag, man. Big red flag if he does that. All right. So, Jason, tell me about yourself last year in the sports media world. Well, last year in the sports media world, I was lucky enough to get to host uh, digital TV and radio across the board for college football, the NFL, as long as, as well as daily radio for ESPN covering all sports, but took a really huge leap forward, not just with the NFL draft, over 10 million people watched our digital show, but also with everything that we were able to do digitally for game day, over 22 million people watched us on the college football market, social media alone. It was a, it was a historic year for me. Interesting, interesting. And why did you actually choose to be in sports media in the first place? Because from my, you know, and obviously I have scouts everywhere, man, and I have private investigators. We've done our research on you. And apparently, you know, you were actually in the country music before, and then you chose to be in sports media. My question to you is, do you actually value sports media? Is this a hobby, or is this your life right now? Well, you know, the whole reason I made the switch when I made the switch, because keep in mind, I risked everything and, and sacrificed everything to make the switch that I made. And the reason I made it is because, frankly, I already love sports. I'm already watching sports. I'm already yelling about sports. So if I can find a way to get paid to do that, then that's the ultimate dream, you know, that we could all be looking for. And as I've told people before, I gave my music career a solid 30-plus years of my life. So if I give sports media 30 more years of my life by the time I'm done, You'll want me out the door anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's an interview. It's formal, but we can't laugh. Oh, sorry. All right, because we're, we're showing weakness. I'm wearing a shrimp and grit shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm also wearing a van shirt with some beat-up sneakers, but that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Jason, what do you feel like your biggest strength is that you can bring to the team? Uh, you know what? I bring positivity and energy, right? That's the most important thing because I believe that when everybody feels good going into work every day, when you can create a culture, and I do believe that culture is created daily, when you can create a culture where you're invested but you're finding joy along the way, what you're going to do is you're going to get the best out of people creatively, but you're also going to get the best out of people because they'll drive a little harder to work with and for someone that ultimately they think is getting the best out of them. Oh, Brent, he, he just said culture. Big, big buzzword in the NFL teams. Big buzzword. Culture. culture. Oh, big oh, buzzword. Got it. That, that and compete. The, the two C's. The two C's of any NFL meeting. All right, uh, a few more questions for you. What's something that you have to work on personally in the, in the sports media world? I think um, I need to work on patience in general because for me, I'm so competitive in what I do that I, I constantly want to do more, and I have to learn to be a little more patient, appreciate what I have today, appreciate where I am today, and appreciate the process and the journey and the fact that, you know, you build brick by brick and block by block, and sometimes 
when you're on the third stage of brick, you, you want the whole mansion to be complete. But I need to learn to recognize that it takes time. Dog or cat? Oh, dogs all day. Interesting. Okay. Um, if you were... <laughs> hey, they don't call an this alpha is, cat this is in exactly, the NFL. This is exactly how this went dog. down. Well, and truth, truth be told, so that, that question, by the way, which I was asked by the Miami Dolphins, <clears throat> uh, they asked me that question. So apparently if you choose dog, it means that you're more loyal, but you don't think for yourself. And if you choose cat, that means you're not as loyal as a person, but you're, 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 like, you're, you're like a free thinker. So teams that prefer the dog over the cat because they can kind of mold you into what they want. A little fun fact for you. Uh, two more questions. Actually, like three more questions. Uh, if I was going to go back and study tape of you, you know, of, of you doing something with the sports media, what would you want me to watch? Uh, I, I think if you're going to go back and study any any moment for me, go back and watch College Game Day this fall. There was one particular episode where I had Maria Taylor, uh, David Pollock, and Pat McAfee all standing around me uh, while the the dance squad was trying to dance. And what I was trying to do was get Pollock to finish his deep dive thought on college football while McAfee really just wanted to dance with the dancers. So trying to hold down the chaos that was going on around me and still keep the show directed, one of my finer moments. Love it. Which tape should we stay away from? And keep in mind, I'll find it. We, we have the researchers. We have all the tape that you have. Which tape should we stay away from? Well, I think uh, my last episode ever of uh, the ESPNU show that I did with Mike Gola Jr. and Elegant Sinegi, my first really intro into ESPN several years ago, was a small college football show that nobody uh, nobody watched at the time. Uh, but I made a I made a statement at the end of that show. We always finished with the closing rant, and I made a rant where I uh, I said that Clemson fans are a bunch of jerks, and uh, it was because of some things that. They'd said and some threats that they'd made to my family uh, during the course of the season. But I did learn in that moment that you can't make sweeping generalizations about fans. I could have said some Clemson fans act like a bunch of jerks, but I can't say all fans are a bunch of jerks. So I took my worst moment and I learned from it. I kind of figured somehow or another that would end up at Golic Jr. or Golic Jr.'s <laughs> house or somewhere along the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You knew he'd have to be involved. Come on. Favorite sports movie? Uh, they all stink. Uh, I mean, the, the, none of them are any good. Uh, Friday Night Lights, the TV show, is the epic thing. I mean, and so because of that, Friday Night Lights, the movie, is sort of downgraded. But uh, you know what? If I want drama, I'll just watch real sports. I don't need a bunch of actors pretending to be athletes. Okay, not very coachable. Didn't answer the question. Um, <laughs> what, what, what type of learner are you? Uh, I'm a – well, I'm a fast learner, but I'm also – um, an uh, an auto, auto audible learner. Like I learn better when when people tell me things. Uh, I retain better when I'm told than when I have to like read it and repeat it. Okay. Uh, what type of leader are you? Um, I am a lead by example person. I figure if you outwork everybody and you're never, but your energy level stays really positive and high through all of it. If you're putting in the, the most hours, but you're doing it with the best attitude while you're doing it. People will see that, and they will follow that. Final question. Jason Fitz, why should we take you? Well, I mean, because I'm driven. I work. I, I do outwork everybody, and because everything I've ever set my mind to, I'm successful at it at some level. So, you know, when you get me, you're getting somebody that will do whatever the, the team needs. But ultimately, most importantly, I'll do it all with the right attitude so that everybody around us grows and 
learns from it, and we can compete together, and we can create the culture that allows us to be champions. Ah, I said compete in culture. Compete in culture, but, but here, here's <laughs> a problem. Here's a problem, though. This guy's though. well coached. No, no, hang on, no. Well, I'm coachable. coachable. No, 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 real quick, though, real quick. Jason, you said that you're going to work harder than anybody else. You know what? I have 50 people come in here and tell me that on a, on a regular basis. You know, everyone that we're talking to says they're going to go above and beyond, that they're going to bring the culture, that, that, you know, that they're going to contribute to their certain ways. The question is, why should we take you? And by the way, this happened again in the Jacksonville meeting. Jack Del Rio put me on the spot and said, we've, we've heard this answer before, but why should we take you? So, Jason, I ask you again, why should we take you? Well, because look at my body of work. I mean, everybody can say that they outwork, but you can look at what I've done, and I think it stands in proof. Plus, you can feel the energy. I mean, there's a there's a level of connection that's palpable. So, Coach, I mean, I feel like <laughs> I'm feeling it here. If I'm feeling it, I know you're feeling it. And ultimately, if we're feeling it together, we should just acknowledge it. Plus, uh, everybody else that's sat in here isn't me, you know? Sure. So I can't, I can't speak to them, but I can speak to me. And I know what I'll bring you, Coach. And I, I like see where you made the I connection. Like oh, connection. connection. Compete connection. Absolutely, I'm so man. disappointed in your question, man. When's the gun or knife part coming in? Well, <laughs> see, these, I mean, we can ask that, too. It's only a three-hour show, man. We have that well, much listen, time. Jason's but, already been on forever. He's like, know, I'm never man. calling in again. I this know. is two weeks' worth of stuff. I know it is. Uh Hey, he really did get asked. What, what did you get asked? What was that question? Oh, so I got asked if my mom's attractive. I got asked if I could kill somebody. Would you use a gun or a knife? Um, I asked. I got asked a bunch of crazy stuff, man. So, so thankfully, we didn't ask you that, Jason. Yeah. Well, I mean, my mom is not all that hot, and I definitely use a gun because then I get a head start to run away. There we go. Hey, have a good one. Be well, and uh, I promise we'll keep you less time next week. Uh, thanks, man. You guys are the best. Always happy. Thank you so much. Bye. But, yeah, so funny story. So we do Jack Del Rio, right? So he asks me, and then keep in mind, this is in front of the entire Jaguars organization. The owners are there. The GM's there. And Jack just goes, so if I can, uh, if you can bring something to the team, why should we draft you? And I said, I'll work 110%. I'll I work anybody. Enough said. And he goes, Everyone tells us that, Austin. Why should we draft you? I go, because nobody wants it more than I do. Um, you know, honestly, I'm a chip my shoulder. And, like, I said that. I could tell you that's not the answer you wanted to hear. He shook his head. And I'll never forget, I'm walking out of the, 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 the meeting, the interview, and I knew I just bombed it, right? It wasn't good. Mel Tucker comes up to me and goes, hey, next time just said I can get after the quarterback, okay? That's, that's all you got to say. <laughs> says, I can get after the quarterback. I'm like, sounds good. So every other meeting, when I get asked that because everybody asks me that question, why should we take you? Because I can get after the quarterback, sir. Enough said. They didn't pick you and jacked it. I know, exactly. <laughs> That's Crazy how that works, sense. isn't it? That's I know. That doesn't make sense. Crazy how that works. When we come back, we continue to celebrate the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp next on ESPN 690. <laughs> you almost said to use the drop button. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we're back. Uh, Austin's telling us in the break some stories about what he got asked at the combine. It's pretty funny. Uh, the one the answers uh, weren't the best. Either. Thanks to Jason Fitz yeah. for coming on for a while and answering your yeah. uh, rundown. Yep, it is an interesting deal, right? It's not like you're not going for a, an interview in corporate America, man. They know you guys are a little crazy, yeah. and, and violent, and they want you to be that. And there, it's not like you're talking to the smartest guys in the world. No, I mean, no. and yet you you go into that thing and you think you have to have all the right answers. Of course. They probably want to hear something wild and crazy. I'm sure they do, but like 
Keep in mind, at the time, Brent, when, when you're still kind of essentially a kid coming out of college and you're trying to make a good first impression, it's the National Football League. It's the it's the creme de la creme. Like, you, you try to go above and beyond to be a people pleaser, man. Yeah. And sometimes it comes back to bite you in the butt. All right. Uh, we are celebrating the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp here today on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. And we also are continuing to read some mean tweets, if you will, I like this. Uh, to steal a segment from late night, uh, of when the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp got their new name. This one's great, all right? I'm laughing at some of these along the way. There's, like, pages of this stuff, by the way. But owner says it'll grow on you. Honestly, is anyone going to buy the merchandise? It'll grow on you. Another pathetic season of Jack's football. Uh, how did we mix football in there? And will anybody buy merchandise? Yeah. Uh, yes, they will. Say no more, man. Say <laughs> the, no more. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp have been amongst the leaders in minor league baseball in terms of sales uh, with apparel and, and merchandise and also in getting awards for their creativity with promotions. And one of the big folks behind all of that, uh, we already had Ken Babby on, the owner of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. And now we welcome into Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, Harold Craw, the general manager of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. And as it is in minor league baseball, you probably have about five or six other titles, don't you, Harold? How you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Thank, thanks for having me on you here today. You're right. You know, we do a little bit of everything. One of the reasons I stay in minor league baseball is because you get to wear so many hats. Uh, I wish I were wearing uh, many of them right now standing inside 121 Financial Ballpark waiting to invite everybody in the doors tomorrow night. Ooh, Harold Craw with us. Hope your family's doing well, by the way, in this time. And uh, appreciate all you guys are doing for the community with the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp uh, and, and focus on the community. And then hopefully back to baseball. We do miss it. Everybody misses it. And there's just something about the calendar, something about the time of year when baseball begins, whether it's the minor league level, uh, even the high school, college level, or definitely uh, in the big leagues as well. What's it like to kind of go back and listen? I don't know if you just heard that one, but we've been reading some of the tweets that didn't like when you guys shifted over to the Jumbo. <laughs> trip i mean is that kind of almost fun uh to, to chuckle like that and say man this this worked better than some people thought it would now it is it's very very much so i can chuckle but when it was happening while ken was saying we we've seen this you know we know how this ends just kind of you know stay the course i was a little nervous uh, about it but now when you look back on it it is it is kind of funny you know, as, as I heard you read about the merchandise, uh, that that makes me chuckle uh, as well because our, our merchandise uh, manager makes a, a funny joke in the office. Every day he'll come in and he'll just have mountains of stuff that he's shipping out. And he'll stop in the front office and say, well, people still like our stuff. <laughs> and they'll keep walking and keep packing boxes. That's awesome. That's pretty funny. Harold, obviously the, the jumbo shrimp probably wasn't the only option, let's just say. Can you share some of the other options that might have replaced the jumbo shrimp, um, you know, if you guys didn't go that direction? We honestly didn't. So we looked at, you know, a couple of different things, and it really got back to really just sitting down and saying, okay, we need to figure out, because there were so many of us that weren't born and raised here, hadn't lived here for an extended period of time, and so we really needed to understand the city. And so we began asking questions all throughout the town, whether a lot of people from Jacksonville knew it or not, we were asking them those questions. And so we got it everywhere, right? Huge town. But I'll tell you what happened to me. No matter where I went in town, within my first 30 to 60 days living here, I always ran into someone I knew. And I had only been here for 30 or 60 days. And so when we took that information back, not just me, but six to eight to ten other staff members with the same information, 
it kind of made sense. Um, the shrimp, as you know it, jumps out of the water. That, that little guy that we eat, ooh, I probably shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, it, that didn't come to fruition until after, you know, we came with the name. Really, it's a play on words, right? We're a big, big town, but very much a close-knit community. And, and wow, kind of ironic that we speak about these I'm speaking about that in these unprecedented times that we're experiencing here and how we've come together as a community uh, to lift each other up. Harold Craw with us, uh, executive vice president, general manager. The uh, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp has done an incredible job and has received various awards for doing so. Well-deserved, well-earned, him and his staff. And what they've been able to put together at the baseball grounds, Bragan Field, one two win one financial ballpark now. Uh, you guys had this this plan for promotions again last year we had you on in studio talked about all the different promotions like florida man night and all those different things that you guys pulled off that got a lot of attention you'd put the calendar together this year in the off season a lot of brainstorming a lot of meetings a lot of creativity and right now there's a little bit of uncertainty right whether you'll be even able to do any of those nights do you think if you're not able to use some, will you carry them over into the future? Uh, do they just go yeah. away? Well, what's your thinking as of now? I know things change on a daily basis. They do. As of now, you know, we're trying to – we have all these different plans because we really don't know when we're going to get up and get going. And so we have these different plans to launch and do some different and unique things um, that we had on the calendar this year. Our goal is to try to fit all of that, hopefully when we start playing on the calendar for this year, uh, but if it doesn't and we have to replace things on the calendar for next year, absolutely, you know, we will do that, you know, as well. I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't. One of the things and one of the things that we've been done over the past couple of years, if you guys uh, uh, will remember, we worked with the, the school for, for the, uh, the deaf and the blind and we've been partners with them for a couple of years. And so we had, we were doing a Ray Charles bobblehead giveaway and their band was going to play the anthem on that night. And so, Things didn't work out, obviously, with our schedule, so we've had to move that to 2021. Uh, so fans have an opportunity to look forward to that. But, no, we're going to try to squeeze it all in, action-packed, blow blow the sky up as many times as we can, as, as you know we like to do with fireworks and, and give away all of the wonderful things that we had already planned to give away. I'm looking at all those firework nights. Obviously, they are still a big hit. I remember when we were talking to you last year, you said, those say, when in doubt, firework night. Yeah. <laughs> Fire night work really works. What had, what had you guys buzzing in the office this year in terms of some promotions that hopefully you will get to? Uh, but, what, what yeah. you know, again, we talked about some of them last year. And, uh, Ken Babby brought up uh, the two for Tuesday, which was a fantastic night uh, as well. But you guys take a lot of risk here. You know, that's what's kind of interesting. It's almost like you're you're playing in the backyard and you're coming up with these games and, and creativity is flowing. But there's also a lot of risk involved. You want them to work. You hope they work. There's a business aspect of this. What had you guys kind of fired up internally about what you were going to do? Give us two or three of them. So for for us, you know, we really never talk a lot about the base aspect of baseball, but we had some pretty cool things happen for us last year. Sports Center. I mean, everybody has heard if you're in Jacksonville about Stone Garrett, whether Absolutely. he's diving over a wall to catch a ball or whether he's jumping up the snag one off of a wall. And so for us internally in our office, we were really pumped up about the Stone Garrett bobble over the fence. So literally when the diving catch, it's him bobbling over back and forth over the fence. We were pumped up internally about that because a lot of, a lot of times we don't 
uh, necessarily get that excited about baseball, but not only is Stone a great person, but he's also a great baseball player. So, you know, that comes to mind. Selfishly for me, Brent, you know, I'm going to always mention, uh, because this is the 100th year celebration of the Negro Leagues, we had a pretty and have a pretty cool um plan for july we were actually going to um, do something in the month of april to where uh, the jerseys on the field on the same night that the first negro league game was played um, but we can't do that now but we're going to put all of our efforts into that july weekend july 11th is the actual date uh but for our our Negro League celebration for for that weekend. It's a big deal this year. It's a big deal through all of, of minor league um, and major league baseball, and so that's something that that we're, we're obviously gonna gonna make a big deal about. And you should uh, make as it, well. Yeah, you should make a big deal about that. That's really cool. And and by the way, just a quick mention: tomorrow, Jackie Robinson Day around major league baseball, they're going to do virtually. Usually, uh, everybody will wear forty two yeah. and all the uh, different ceremonies that will be done virtually as well. Go ahead, Austin. Harold. I'm sure you know we can probably expect some really cool nights when when those ballparks do open back up again. Um, you know, in retrospect, and I guess in reflection of last year, what what night or what promotion were you were you the most proud of last year i guess you could say for the jumbo shrimp kid kind of stole my my thunder with with the two for tuesday i mean i get you know i get choked up man as a former football guy rah rah run through a wall guy i get choked up when you think about junior and and running through the stadium and him chasing the the foul balls down and, and chasing t-shirts down i mean that for me man every time i think about it i get chill bumps uh and it, and it kind of gets you know my, my juice is flowing for for lack of a better word um, and just being excited about being able to give, you know, back to the community. So that, you know, for 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 me was exciting and selfish. I know Ken Ken mentioned that, but that was, I believe, something that just didn't get um, its just due. And it was because it was right around the, the Florida Man night. You know, honestly, Austin, that probably had me the scariest. Uh, was the Florida man night because I just did not know what to expect. <laughs> or honestly, if we were going to end up on Sports Center for something. Uh, not so good. So, was really nervous about that one last yeah, it's, year. Yeah, it's but good. it turned out fantastic. Yeah, it was yeah. good. It got, but Great you're reception. right, man. It got a ton of attention. I love you taking us inside the emotions of that, too. Because, again, I mean, I said there's a lot of risk, but am I right in that? I mean, you, do you run a lot of risk in some of these nights, whether it's from, okay, actual dollars of people coming in, the dollars that you spend, whether it's on bobbleheads or promotion, and then, also, the, the perceived notion of it, what can grab a headline these days in a hurry if it's taken the wrong way? Yeah, absolutely. It does. I mean, we, we think about it, I mean, probably more, more than more than anybody should probably. And, and every night, you when we go into a promotion, I mean, David, David Rass does a great job of kind of staging these things like, okay, here are the things that could happen on the positive end. Here are the things that could happen when you think about it negatively, but, you know, as a minor league guy, sometimes you feel like there is no such thing as, as bad promotion, but you know, we know that we know that there are. So let's let's be real about that. But we really do. We we examine it for for the risk reward, um, and we know going into it, you know, it, it could it could turn out fantastic, or it has a chance to to, to flop on its face. Um, and sometimes we do promotions and people just don't get it. Um, so and then that's that's sometimes the way it works, you know, for us as well. So. We always have something up our sleeve this year. We just might have to shift some things around, you know, this year. I, one of the promotions I was nervous and scared of, it's happening on Father's Day. We still we still have a chance, you know, for, to play on Father's Day. But we're literally dropping, uh, it's called Drop Your Drawers, and we're dropping <laughs> boxer shorts out of a helicopter on top of that. <laughs> 
on the field um, as a as a reference. They're blue boxer shorts, so it'll be representing <laughs> prostate cancer awareness. Uh, but it is drop your draws day on Father's Day. It's a great way to tie it all in too. With the yeah, you know, it, it really is with the prostate cancer awareness as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm not mad but, at that, man. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, dude. No mooning, people. No <laughs> mooning out there. That's what we're getting to. Harold Craw with us, uh, general manager, executive vice president of the Jacksonville Jumbo Trim. By the way, just to give a couple of statistics here, last year's attendance three hundred twenty-seven thousand. 388 over there at the baseball grounds. Highest total attendance of the Jumbo Shrimp era. In all the five crowds were over 8,600 were the five biggest in the Southern League last season. July 3rd crowd of 11,429, second largest at 121 Financial Ballpark in the last decade. Uh, are, are people really taking notice of what you guys are doing? Uh, B, I know you're humble, uh, and, and, uh, and Ken was humble as well, but... They have to be asking and calling and, and saying, wow, uh, we're noticing what you guys are doing around minor league baseball. Maybe even some collegiate teams, too, who work kind of like minor league baseball in a sense where promotional nights are a big thing. Yeah, it it absolutely has taken a life of its own. And I'll, I'll say this. A lot of times we get the phone calls through our minor league office. So the, at the headquarters, if you will, that's down in St. Pete. You know, clubs will call there and ask questions about this promotion or that promotion or renaming, we're going through this, and they'll actually ask, so is there somebody we can reach out to? So, yes, we've had those conversations there, and we share our success successes, and we also, more importantly, share our failures because we want everybody to be as successful as possible um, in those different things. And so, yeah, we, we absolutely do uh, get the opportunity to talk to, to people, you know, nationwide. I'm sure, you know, as Ken travels the country and speak, speaks about the success of both Akron and obviously here in Jacksonville, you know, it, it is really a, an opportunity for us to kind of sing what we do, which is affordable family fun, and that there is still an opportunity to bring a family of four to the ballpark, you know, for, for tickets for, for $20 and be able to get out of there uh, with another $25 on food and a souvenir. And it's not a lot of places that you can visit these days where you can get through an evening for roughly 50 to 55 bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Can't do it. All right, two quick questions. We've got to run uh, after that. We appreciate jumping in on Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp Day here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Who runs your Twitter account? Because they're doing a fantastic job during this <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> so it's a conglomerate of a couple people, but uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say uh, no Blaha. He was the original fingers uh, behind it, and now we have some of our other media guys, as well as some members of our staff that are pretty witty um, as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're doing a great job with whether it's videos of what the staff is doing. Um, go follow Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp on uh, social media, and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. At Jack Shrimp is the place to do it. And lastly, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, when we had you in here last year, uh, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I probably should have looked this up, I think you were the only... General manager, now executive vice president in minor league baseball, African-American. Is that still the case or are other – is that still the case? It is still the case, unfortunately. Um, It is. I know it's only been a year, but but it's still – that is unfortunate, especially with what you've been able to do in your success. Uh, Is there any sign of of light uh, coming up in minor league baseball for more minorities to get involved at the higher levels? Absolutely. So I have to say this, minor league baseball runs um, a, a program. It's the acronym is F-I-E-L-E-L-D, FIELD, M-I-L-B, FIELD program. They basically have the opportunity, historically back college students have an opportunity to go in and basically register to go spend a week at the historic Dodger Town, which you can't beat. 
um, and learn all about baseball, the inner workings, the business side, actually be able to take part um, in some hands-on activities at baseball stadiums and get an entree to the winter meetings where you can have an opportunity to actually get that first job, which is where I got mine as well. But So we're doing some great things. Got to tip my hat to Pat O'Connor um, and Belisha Montgomery down at the office and their efforts to make sure that we're diversifying our organization. Got to be remiss to say we're, I would like to say we are the poster child as we have uh, multiple minorities as well as females in director and higher leadership roles. Well, that's good. Uh, keep uh, uh, setting that trend and setting a great example. You're doing a great job. Harold Craw from the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, executive vice president and uh, general manager. By the way, one of the nights on the promotional schedule was an HBCU night, uh, along with the celebration of the 100th anniversary of the Negro League. So hopefully those will get in, uh, as you mentioned, July 11th. Hopefully we can be playing some ball by then. Hope your family's doing well. Be safe and uh, can't wait to get to the baseball grounds, man. one one Financial Ballpark. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. And you guys be safe and everybody else be safe out there. Can't wait to see you at one two one. All right. Uh, that is Harold Craw. We had Ken Babby on earlier. I tell you what, smart, smart guys doing a fantastic job at the minor league level. Uh, I don't think, again, they're very humble. I think you can't discount what they've been able to do and, and what people are taking notice of uh, all across minor league baseball. And I think I might have been even onto something a little bit with the colleges because they run it like that, too. You know, yeah. and heck, now all pro sports have to do that to some degree. You know, these promotional nights, the, the creativity, it's not just throw a product out there and everybody will come. doesn't happen anymore like that nope. across the board, uh, whether it's professional level, minor league level, or anything else. We will have a couple more guests, including the manager of a Jacksonville Suns team that had a ton of talent on it. Plus, Scott Kornberg talks about some of the biggest names in Jacksonville Suns slash Jumbo Shrimp history. Baseball in Jacksonville goes way back. We talk some football, though, coming up next. And sports and politics, should they be mixing? That's on the way on ESPN 690. And we could do it, and we'd have an audience for it. And so I guess this is my point here. Whether you're a professional athlete, whether, you know, you're, you're doing your local sports talk show, whether you're Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith, right? Like, I feel like those guys, they're almost, I don't want to call them actors because they're very talented in what they do, right? But sometimes they'll take, you know, they'll take the contrarian side just so it's good television, just so it's good radio, just so it can get the clicks and get the and gets the views. Absolutely. I understand that. You know why? Because Stephen A. Smith makes $10 million a year. Wow. I don't make that. So, obviously... It's worked. Obviously, the, the, the money is showing that he's a variable, he's a valuable asset to ESPN. Clay Travis, by the way, has done the same. He fits Correct. in that. You know, it doesn't always have to be exactly how he feels, but yeah. exactly what people want to hear or, exactly. or get polarized about. And and you know what? That's fine because to me, then you're almost like an actor. You're you're putting on a performance and you're benefiting from that performance. I can't do that. Okay, I couldn't go someplace, go on a show, host something, and not give my whole heart. I couldn't just go against what I believe in, my morality and the way I was raised, just to get some more likes on Twitter or just to get some more, you know, co- you know, uh, some hype on the internet. I can't do that. Some people can, and you know what? If they can do that, more power to you, man. Go ahead and make your money. The same thing with actors and, and musicians. Like, you know, when I was in high school, Brent Green Day was a big band. Okay, I was a big Green Day fan. They released an album based completely on politics, and and they kind of lost me after that. Okay. And Green Day went on to be more successful and more popular, and that's fantastic. They lost me, though. It just wasn't for me, okay? But it was for a lot of people out there. Just like professional athletes, when people say, oh, they should just stick to sports, 
No, man. Like, yeah, sure, if you're on the football field and you want to get in the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, we can get into that. But overall, man, the, everyone's watching those guys, all right? We, we tune in to watch those guys just like we tune in to watch Clay Travis if you're into that type of thing because people want to hear what you have to say. And I think sports athletes, you know, professional athletes, they have a right, and I think that they should, you know, whether – it's for Donald Trump or against Donald Trump or whatever the topic is, but they have a right to speak their mind just like everybody else because it, once the bars open back up and I go to Jacksonville Beach, I can walk into a bar and I, and I can see a banker, I can see a financial investor, I can see a teacher, I can see a doctor, I can see a policeman. They can all talk politics, you know, and, and they can all have a conversation about it at a bar. So why can't a professional athlete, why can't a sports radio you know, personality do that as well? But once again, just keep in mind, you have to know your audience. Absolutely. Uh, well said. Uh, you know, it, I just thought it was interesting with the Peter King, Clay, Travis thing to bring it up today. I'm just not here for it. I also know I'm not smart enough to talk about all the politics stuff. So we talk sports yeah. and uh, we try to do that. And I'm not have I don't have strong enough feelings to go one way or another. And really, once you go one side or the other, you better be ready to stick it uh, mm-hmm. one side or the other on it. And, and it certainly seems like some do it. And some, by the way, benefit greatly from it. Uh, you know, I think the story, the history books will say Donald Trump made a lot of people a lot of money <laughs> in four years. Yeah. I will say that, uh, no doubt. Instead, we like to talk some baseball, by the way. So let's shift back over from football to politics, now to baseball. And we're going to welcome in uh, a an alum, if you will, of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, but really wore the Jacksonville Suns uniform. Uh, and uh, I, I got to give him a sense of uh, gratitude and thank you, too, for helping bring another World Series trophy to the Boston Red Sox most recently when he was on that staff. Welcome in Andy Barquette to Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We're celebrating local sports here during this pandemic, Andy. And today is Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp Day or Jacksonville Suns Day. You were here for, well, a good few years. In fact, a tremendous few years. Uh, you got to be fond of your time here in Jacksonville. Yes, sir, for sure. It was a, it was a great experience. Um, you know, we had a great run there the four years I was there, capped it off with a championship in 14. And I really appreciate you guys thinking of me and having me on the show today. I hope your family's doing well. Are you still hanging out uh, in the Oviedo area? Where are you? Yeah, we're still in Oviedo. We're uh, we're here on lockdown, you know, just like everybody else. And um, uh, we, our kids have, you know, grown up in the schools here. We've been in the community here about 10 years and plan on staying here a while. So We're talking to Andy Barquette, managed the Jacksonville Suns uh, in the early part of the 2010s decade. And then, of course, won a Southern League uh, championship in 2014. But in that stretch, Andy, how often do you bring up, ever since then, the names that you got to manage, from the Yelichs to the Stantons to the Ozunas to the Real Mutos, uh, heck, Derek Dietrich, and by the way, that guy can juggle. Uh, what, how much fun do you have sharing stories of, of hey, I got to manage those guys, and also look what they're doing now? Yeah, it was a lot of fond memories and uh, a lot of great relationships with those kids and, and still have them, really. It was really a neat thing to be able to, to participate in the all-star game last year uh as, you know obviously we won the world series in 18 so we were the the staff in the all-star game in 19 and and you know be able to take a picture with brad hand and jt and christian and uh yelich and, and and you know just to see that those guys have have uh, not only got to the big leagues but have become some of the best players in the game it's really just something I, it's hard to describe to see them at the all-star game be able to take a picture with them there and share the same stage with them. It was really a neat experience. 
Andy, you know, I'm a huge Brewers fan. Um, obviously, Christian Yelich is like, you know, that, that guy can, can do no wrong. I mean, he, he's almost like a god in Wisconsin now. And we talk about mm-hmm. Christian Yelich, you know, he's he's kind of unassuming, right? Like, he's not the biggest guy, but the, the guy is just a, he's a, such a dynamic hitter where he, he can hit for power or he can just kind of put it wherever he wants to. What makes Christian Yelich just so special, especially in terms of hitting? Uh, you know, his, his ability to see the ball out of the pitcher's hand early, um, body control, timing, rhythm, things that um, it's really hard to develop in hitters. And he, he had those attributes from an early age. Uh, I remember him going through a stretch in Jacksonville where he was like over 30. And I, you know, I didn't really look at the numbers um, back then very much because you have just managing the personalities and managing the game. And I remember going up to him one time and telling him that, Hey kid, you can hit in the big leagues right now. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he got a game winning hit the next day and he came in the, the office and he goes, Hey, did you know I was 0 for 33 when you told me I could play in the big leagues right now? But that's the thing. I didn't know because it was line out, line out, you know, good take, walk. You know, it's just like his at bats were so professional and so above, you know, uh, um, you know, he was hitting as like he was a 10 year big leaguer and he was only 20 years old at the time. So. Uh, he was just advanced and, and, um, you know, great kid, his makeup, his work ethic. He's there to play every day, there to play to win every day. He's all about the team. Um, just to, just, I, you can't say enough about Christian Yelich and what a, what a tremendous young man he is. Yeah. And what a career he's having now. I mean, just unbelievable. Do you know when guys like that are down there? Uh, like you said, I mean, he's over 33, whatever he said, Hey, you can hit the big leagues, but did, do you even ever look down the road far enough with some of the guys at that level to say, this guy's going to be around the bigs for a long time. This guy's going to be an all-star. This guy's going to be an MVP. And this guy's going to maybe make $300 million someday. Yeah. Uh, well, that's part of our job is to be able to, you know, project and, and give the organization reports on what we think that guy's going to be. And I think, uh, you know, I wasn't going out on a limb by any means, but I think that uh, uh, me and, and many, many, uh, many of us managers, many of the managers and coaches in the league and scouts that scout the league would have put their name on Christian Yellis to say he's going to win a batting title one day, potential MVP candidate. I mean, he was he was showing those types of attributes um, in the minor leagues. He'd really developed himself defensively. Defensively, he wasn't he wasn't a great player when he was younger, and he'd really put the work and the time in to be great. And, Obviously, he's continued his hitting throughout uh, throughout his big league career so far. Andy, you know, being a hitting coach, I mean, how much are you kind of like a psychologist as well, right? Because you have to deal with so many different kind of personalities. And when you talk in terms of a, a player going through a slump, like, do you kind of approach a slump different ways depending on that player's personality? Yeah, the game is really hard. And, and, and failing in the game is um, is part of your success. And so... Being able to be an encourager to young players or even big league players, uh, one thing I learned about the big leagues is uh, being a coach there for a couple of years was that those guys struggle with the failure of the game as much or more than minor league players do. They're no different. And so being able to encourage them and, and to stay the course and stay positive uh, is a huge part of your, your job as a hitting coach. Obviously, you need to know the swing and the mechanics. Uh, game planning against the other team is super important, but uh, really getting into the brain of those players and keeping them positive and encouraged throughout a 162 game season is is probably your mo- is your greatest job. 
Andy Barquette with us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 for a couple more minutes. Uh, former manager of the Jacksonville Suns. You know, it's interesting. In my timetable, Andy, I've been here since 2008, so I obviously covered all your years uh, here with the Jacksonville Suns. And I kind of had Yelich and Azuna and the Real Mutos and Dietrichs and, and Hands and Stanton's kind of all lumped together. But I, I guess I just looked it up. And Stanton, you just missed him here in Jacksonville, right? Yeah, I, I missed him. I uh, got to know him in spring training uh, with the five five years I was there in Miami. And um, Kevin Randall and him were really close. And so uh, I remember many games, uh, you know, when he would come down to minor leagues and play in spring training, he would always, you know, he'd have to pick between the New Orleans or AAA club and the AA club to play with. And so I would always tell, you know, smoke, I'd uh, uh, elbow him, I'd get, get, get Stanton on our team. So, <laughs> so uh, he would always play with us in, in, in minor league games, and that was always fun to be around him. And great guy, great kid. And we still, uh, you know, we, when I was in Boston, he's in New York, uh, we still maintained our relationship. And we, get, we got pretty close over the years. My son Isaiah and him were buddies. And, and so uh, I was always able to, to connect with him when we were in New York and, and say hello and and so forth. So I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Stanton fan. Really cool. Do you call him Mike or John Carlo? Uh, I call him G. I just call him G. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think it's so cool that you're telling us about the relationships that you hang on to, though, especially when you made it up to that big league level with the Red Sox. But I, I will say this, and there are probably you know this way better than me. But I would tell people back in 2010, go to a Stanton batting practice session. That's it. Mm-hmm. Just go. Mm-hmm. It, it is one of the, like the highlights of of covering sports in my career is watching him hit in batting practice. It's something you tell your grandkids about. No doubt. I remember, um, I mean, that the batting practice is ridiculous. Not only are the balls going so far, but the ones that don't go out of the park, when you're out there shagging, you got to move out of the way because these balls are coming at you so fast. I don't care if you have a glove or, or body armor. They can kill you. So uh, <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's just ridiculous. I remember... Um, him playing in a sim game or an inner squad game on a Sunday in spring training, and Annabelle Sanchez was pitching for the Triple A team, and we were playing, you know, the Double A team, Triple A team, and he hit two of the farthest balls I've ever seen hit in my entire life off Annabelle Sanchez that day. And I remember looking at Isaiah, my son, and said, "Son, you'll never ever see anybody hit a ball that far the rest of your life." That was just. Uh, he can do some special things and still and still still does and still has a great career ahead of him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what he's been able to do. I'm, unfortunately, he plays for the Yankees, but that's a different story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, give us uh, two more questions, and I'll let you go. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. We're celebrating the minor leagues of baseball here in Jacksonville, but that's their name now. How strange is that to you? And I'll piggyback that with how much fun was it to work in Jacksonville as a, as a Jacksonville Suns manager with the Bragan family? Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to really warm up to the jumbo shrimp thing. When you guys, when I first came on, I heard the intro and I heard jumbo shrimp, I was like, you know, it just sounds weird, you know, to me. But you called the I'm right sure show. If I, was, <laughs> uh, if I was there still, I'd probably embrace the name. I'm sure that there's been some cool marketing, and, and I know that the new ownership's doing a great job. And, and so the name is, is uh, I can live with it. It's just I'm not used to it, obviously, because I've been gone from there, and I'm so used to hearing Jacksonville sounds. But it was a, it was a pleasure to work for the Bragan family. It's such a tradition uh, in Jacksonville. And, you know, being able to be there when Mr. Bragan passed away and his funeral and so forth and, that was a real special time to really connect with Pedro. And, and um, you know, we had an a, a, a interesting four years, to say the least, but um, it was great to, great to be able to bring him a championship in that last year. And, 
and, and you know, etched our name in the history of Jacksonville Suns baseball. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool, and you certainly will live in that history book of Jacksonville Suns baseball with the players you manage, the teams that you manage, and uh, and being around here for four seasons. I mean, that's a, that's a good that's a good amount of time in one spot in minor league baseball, uh, especially capping it off with the Southern Southern League Championship in 2014. Uh, so, last question. Uh, you, you gotta, you, you gotta give me something from that World Series. I mean, how much do you just look at that ring? Uh, maybe go back and look at a clip, see a player's name, and think of, man, we won a World Series with the Boston Red Sox, uh, the pinnacle of the sport that you've worked in all your life. Uh, give us something. How, how fun was it? Yeah, it was an incredible run, incredible experience. Sometimes, uh, actually, Steve Pierce who's MVP retired today and there's a bunch of stuff on Twitter about him. And I remember, um, in the world series, they brought in my eight of the face and with the bases loaded. And, you know, we got the iPad out, we got the scouting report out and we're going, Hey, I forgot what we said to him, but we gave him a whole synopsis, all of our notes and preparation. And, and he's looking at us and, 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 and we're like, all right, Pierce, you got that? You ready? And he looked at us and said, Hey, fellas, uh, when I go up there, the next time I swing the bat, I'm sending 20,000 people home. <laughs> and, uh, so he didn't hear one word we said about the Skyrim report, but he went up there and hit a bases-clearing double. And literally, I looked up, and about 20,000 people walked out of Dodger Stadium. It was really one of the coolest experiences I've ever seen. So um, that was a, just a special time and special team, and it was just a heck of a run to, to see that talented group of players play to come together, play together, and obviously wouldn't be able to win a World Series. It's still hard to believe that it really happened, and um, I shake my head sometimes uh, that I was a part of it, but uh, you know, just incredibly blessed that to be able to, to be on that staff and, and, and be on that team and have that ring, like you said. Great story. I love it. I love the stories of baseball. I'll tell you what, I was in London with the Jags for a bunch of that series. In fact, I was on the plane ride back when you guys won it. But for that 18-inning mm-hmm. game, we had landed there on Friday morning. I didn't sleep the whole day because it was <laughs> we're six hours you know, ahead, and I'm listening to that 18-inning game. <laughs> The whole time? I listened to it the whole time. Yeah. And I, I would say, won't you say uh, Avaldi will go down as one of the great unsung heroes of, of, of maybe any championship team? Like, people won't bring up his name enough uh, as, you, as you go down the road 10, 20, 30 years from now? Yeah, he's a warrior, man. I mean, that, that was one of the neatest experiences to be able to watch that guy pitch and, and, uh, and be in that game. And I just remember being exhausted and just because all the BP we were throwing and getting guys ready and you know, mentally and physically. And I can't even imagine what he was feeling. Um, heck, we weren't even playing and we were tired. The coaching staff was. And, and so what he did that night was incredible, saving our bullpen. And, and even though we lost the game, he put us in a, in a position to uh, win the war. And, and then we were able to with that performance. So, yeah, that was one of the greatest performances in World Series history. Unbelievable. So that's what you guys did in that game. You'd go down and pitch to guys that were, were going to pinch hit or whatever or just keeping them fresh? Oh, man non-stop back and forth to the batting cage and, and getting guys going and you know because you don't know if the manager's going to use guys and they got to be ready and you know and hey you know get this guy ready get that guy ready and so forth so yeah it was and then the guys that are still in the game you know those guys like to practice Mookie and JD so we were we were in and out even in between innings they would work on stuff and tinker with their swings and so yeah, it was a it was a constant shuttle back and forth through the batting cage. Gosh, it's wild, 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 great stories. Yeah. Uh, Andy Barquette with us. Thanks for sharing and appeasing my Red Sox fandom for a moment. <laughs> I appreciate you doing that. Uh, no problem. What, what's up with you now? What uh, I know you're not with the Red Sox any longer. Are you still going to hang around? Are you in? I, I haven't seen where you ended up landing, or or are you going to continue the grind? 
Yeah, um, I had another year on my contract. I was let go by the Red Sox at the end of the 19th season. We had kind of a tough year, and a couple members of the coaching staff did not survive the, the season, and I'm fortunate I was one of them. Um, so, I, you know, being able to, you know, collect a paycheck for another year, which is a, a blessing. Uh, I was able to volunteer as a coach at the University of Central Florida, which is about 10 minutes from my house. And uh, my daughter's a freshman soccer player there, and my, you know, it allowed me to stay close to home and, and be with my family during, um, you know, during this, this year kind of transition. So, you know, we'll see uh, what happens in baseball. We'll see. I'd like to get back in the game. Uh, I'd like to have a chance to go back and be a big league coach and one day. And, and so, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens once the pandemic clears and, and, and life gets back to normal. Uh, good for you, man. Uh, it's good uh, family time, at least to be home and spend time, see your kids and around your kids. And we are, I, I, Called you late today, so I appreciate you jumping in on the conversation, sharing some memories of the Jacksonville Suns days. You'll always have a special place here in Jacksonville in the history of this organization. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys, for having me on the call and or on the on the radio, and I appreciate you thinking of me. And um, you know, go Jacksonville Suns or Jumbo Shrimp. Sorry, <laughs> you got it, man. Thanks. Be well. That's Andy Barquette, former Jacksonville Suns manager. Very cool, cool stories about that World awesome, Series team yeah. too. And you're right. Yelich. Uh, by the way, I, did, I was uh, trying to get Yelich. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, you just can't. Yeah. It's, it's not like, hey, I'm Brett from Jacksonville. Can uh, we get Yelich yeah, on? Um, yeah, he respectfully declined. Thanks. Yeah. I, <laughs> I maybe, mean, who knows? Maybe I should get a Christian Yelich tattoo, and then maybe he'll take us more seriously. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. The point he's playing, I might get a Christian Yelich tattoo one day. That dude's just money, man. He's cool so guy, good. too. Cool. Just a unassuming guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, Staten comes with all of it. You know? Yeah. He, not, not really. He doesn't have, like, this flair, this personality. No, I think sure. you can question whether sometimes. I like hearing people say he's such a good guy and stuff because, yeah. yeah, I've had some different occasions in the media, I mean, yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that's who he is, but. Like he's not unassuming. He hits these massive six hundred foot home runs. But he's like an everyday kind of guy. Low key. Yelich is, and, and it's so cool having him and both. You know, obviously Christian Yelich in baseball, but then you know the, the Greek freak uh, in basketball too. He's got some great stars. Who's kind of, but he's very unassuming as well. True. He's very humble um, to boat as well. So like it's cool having those two guys in Milwaukee. Man. That's a good call. Yeah. I mean, you have a conversation. You put those guys in a room. You might not even have a minute conversation. Don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you would. Just we'll let your skills talk. A little more celebration of Jacksonville. Suns and Jumbo Shrimp Baseball here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It continues with some of your favorite players to ever play here in Jacksonville. Oh, the list is long. It's coming up next. Swing and a high deep drive in the air to left. Garrett all the way back, reaching for it at the wall, tumbles over the wall, hangs on to it. Stone Garrett has done it again. <laughs> Good call, and uh, that is Stone Garrett, who will get a bobblehead day or... One jumping over the fence, yeah. it'll be different. Kind of uh, the dive over, made Sports Center top ten at least once, I think twice last year, maybe even more. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, I don't know if they'll give us this information. I should have asked for this information. But if you could value how many times the Jumbo Shrimp were mentioned across the nation, like outside of Jacksonville last year, mm-hmm. whether it's Sports Center or, or because of their promotions with Florida Man and other things, I would imagine it was through the roof uh, and something they're pretty happy uh, with. One thing we've been doing, uh, we've got some mean tweets, if you will, from when they went over from the Suns to the Jumbo Shrimp, uh, and and that changed. Uh, Here's one. This is the new character for SpongeBob SquarePants. (laughs) Uh, Word is the mascot will be a walking cocktail sauce. Now we have no professional sports teams in greater Jacksonville. They are all a joke. Uh, This is the worst (laughs) thing I've ever seen. Thanks for taking away our son. (laughs) Our son, okay. Uh, 
Uh, I get that the new owner wants to make a splash, but seriously, the rest of the nation already thinks we're a bunch of rednecks. This new name isn't going to help <laughs> dispel that stereotype. Uh, the funny thing about reading all this, here's one. I hope you can team up for some marketing with Bubba Gump. There we go. Uh, That's but a possibility. We laugh now because... It's been an unbelievable success. That's really the, the story behind it uh, with going to the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. And one thing we wanted to do before we get out of here is we celebrate the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp today. And what we've been doing, if you're just jumping in, we're celebrating local sports these uh, really these next couple of months, a couple of times a week. Friday, we're going to do the Jacksonville Sharks. We've already had UNF and JU and the Jacksonville Iceman uh, as well. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp now. We did a local golf uh, during Masters Week last week. So we'll continue to do it and highlight a different one uh, two days a week uh, for the next uh, however long, really, probably into the summer because there's plenty to celebrate in Jacksonville. Today is Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp Day. And we want to highlight some of the great players uh, that have played in Jacksonville. And there are many of them. It's a really cool list if you take uh, a look at the complete list. Scott Kornberg has done some excellent work for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, putting together a little bit of a history of baseball in Jacksonville. He joins us right now, media and public relations manager, play-by-play man uh, for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Takes over for Hoove, man. Toughest shoes to fill. you got to replace Roger Hoover. Here in uh, 2020. Yeah, no doubt. I, he's uh, really a, a tremendous guy to, to follow. So I know I have my work cut out for me. And, and hope, thanks for having me on, guys. I hope you're staying safe and healthy. And those mean tweets reminds me of uh, Larry David trying to read them on, on Jimmy Kimmel's show. It's just it's one of my favorite clips of all time. Yeah, we kind of did steal that uh, segment a little bit. But, uh, it's you know, I have like four or five pages of this. Yeah, yeah. So some of them, they must make everybody internally laugh inside the organization now uh, because, again, it was a big risk at the time. You know, we had Harold Craw on earlier, Ken Babby on earlier, and they talked about it. Then we just had Andy Barquette on, man. I think you might have heard a little bit of that. Uh, some of the names that have passed through here recently. But you've been digging up some names that have passed through here for way back. Anywhere from Randy Johnson to Alex Rodriguez. Uh, Bob Euchre is on the list. Back in 1959, played for the Jacksonville Braves. I think Bob Euchre might be one of the most interesting, and now that he's a little older, underrated characters of our sports world. Like mm-hmm. in the history of it, uh, Euchre played here in Jacksonville. Yeah, it's crazy. There's uh, He's one of 11 Hall of Famers um, right now who have either played in Jacksonville or uh, managed in Jacksonville after their playing career. So um, Bob Euchre obviously is in the broadcasting wing of the Hall of Fame, and Rube Marquand, who was a Hall of Fame pitcher, managed the 1929 and 1930 Jacksonville Tar. So like, the history of the city is incredible, and the baseball history is incredible. And then the other nine Hall of Famers who actually suited up in Jacksonville, I mean, you mentioned Alex Rodriguez. I, I think he'll get there. Um, Clayton Kershaw, I think, will get there as well, obviously. So, that, you know, you're going to add two more, and who knows who else. But, I mean, everybody knows these names. It's Hank Aaron, Tom Seaver, Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan, Phil Necro, Hoyt Wilhelm, Al Lopez, Larry Walker, and Edgar Martinez. I mean, some of those guys are like inner, inner, inner circle Hall of Famers. So it's it's been really fun to – to research, we didn't have a lot of that information. Like we knew that Hank Aaron had played in Jacksonville, but uh, some of the other guys we did not know. And it's it's really kind of cool to know our history because obviously the Jumbo Shrimp haven't been around that long in terms of the name. And um, you know we love the new name. We think it's great for the city. You talked about what a success it's been. 
Um, but obviously we'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, honor the history that we have uh, in Jacksonville. And, and it's a really, really tremendous history in baseball because it's not only the players. Uh, the first ever spring training was in Jacksonville in the 1800s. So that's pretty darn cool as well. <laughs> wow, how about that? Good stuff. Uh, Chris Peters, by the way, old GM of the Jacksonville Suns, says Michael Jordan. Uh-huh. Wow. The old Wilson Park. Nolan Ryan, uh, you mentioned. Uh, we've got so many names uh, that, that people uh, brought in. Uh, here's one for you, all right? Uh, Dave says, was born in Virginia Beach, Virginia, 1977. Back then, the Norfolk team was the Tidewater Tides, the Mets AAA affiliate. As a kid, I got to see Gooden, Strawberry, Carter, Kevin Mitchell, amongst others. That's one of the cool parts about minor league baseball. How important is that, do you think, uh, Scott, as Scott Kornberg joins us from the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp? Just those kind of names that parade through a town like Jacksonville, even though we don't have Major League Baseball, that facet of minor league baseball is, is a big part of it, isn't it? Oh, yeah, and I think, you know, the most important thing about what we do is, is what Harold and Ken had talked about with affordable family fun, and the and you talked about it with the great promotions that we come up with. I don't know how we come up with them. There's a lot smarter people in our office than me, but we try to make it fun for everybody. But um, this being a, a city where there's an NFL team, where there's a great fan base for JU, for UNF, for the Iceman, for the Giants, for the Sharks, I mean, there's so much going on. There are people who really, truly do care about the baseball. And so um, just to be able to, to have some of those names, and I think about kind of where the Miami Marlins are, the parent club for the Jumbo Shrimp. And, I mean, there's some really exciting players coming through now that um, if you're a baseball fan, you saw some incredible pitcher pitchers in particular last year, like Sixto Sanchez and Edward Cabrera, and, and who knows where those guys will end up. And, you know, obviously the exciting play of Stone Garrett and his uh, bobble arm, I think it is, that we're doing this year. <laughs> yeah, I was having a hard time but, describing uh, Yeah, that. I mean, the baseball, <laughs> it, and that's obviously what we're, we're, we're selling. We're, you know, we're doing a lot of things besides the baseball, but it's a, it's a huge contingent to have that kind of history behind this. And, you know, with our ballpark and everything else, it, it's just the perfect situation. Scott, what's it like? Because obviously, you know, you, you work with the Jacksonville Jaguars as well in the PR department. What's it like going from the PR department, you know, for the Jaguars to come to the shrimp where it's minor league baseball, right? It's all about having fun, and it's all about just kind of like this cult. I don't call it really a cult, but, you know, it's just like it's a special Everything's thing. Everything's a cult to you. Everything has a cult to me. It's got cult characteristics, right? But, but <laughs> you know, but it's just it's a fun time. Not to say Jacksonville Jaguars weren't, but I'm just saying how much of a difference is it on a landscape of sports to go from the Jaguars a little bit with the PR to go with the jump? Shrimp now. Yeah, and I, I guess I guess for you know you guys in the media here, you have to deal with me a little bit more, which I'm sure people don't love. But <laughs> um, it's a lot different. I mean, obviously there's going to be some stories that people do really care about from a baseball perspective because they're just a really cool human interest story. Um, but it's more so, hey, you know, this crazy promotion is tonight, and this is what's happening, and. Um, you know, who who would have ever thought of something like this? And uh, for the Jaguars, obviously, they've, they've got some cool promotions as well, but it's it's a lot more of the uh, football-oriented side. So, um, you know, working with someone as talented as Tad Dickman, who's the, uh, you know, part of the heads of their PR and media department, is um, that job's a lot more, hey, let's, you know, go in the locker room, let's get quotes, let's, you know, do different things uh, really and directly involved with the game. And uh, part of that's the Jaguars play 16 games a year and the Jumbo can play 140 games a year. And so there's a little bit less focus 
uh, when you play that often on baseball. And, you know, we, we are very aware, uh, I say we as in the Jumbo Strip now, of who we are. I mean, the, the Jaguars are an NFL team. They've had, uh, you know, maybe not a lot of success this last couple of years, but they've had some good amount of success during their time in Jacksonville. And people really, truly care about that. So how do we stand out? And I think um, from a media perspective, how do we stand out when there's an NFL team around? We have to be a little bit different. We have to know we're a minor league baseball team, and that's kind of where we could be a little bit culty and, and goofy and, and really have a ton of fun with people um, in a family-oriented atmosphere. So it is a little bit different from a media perspective. Um, you know, obviously, I think like you guys, I got in for this because uh, I love sports and I love calling the games and I love uh, that aspect of it. But this is definitely a, a cool um, different part of the job that that makes you know someone in my my own shoes a little bit more well rounded than certainly I was in the past. Awesome, Scott Kornberg. We got to get running, but to tell everybody how to find out what you're doing with all the history of baseball, where they can find it. Yeah, and, and uh, we're actually kind of rejuvenating re, uh, our our Jumbo Shrimp blog. It's called Media uh, the Shrimp and Grits blog Medium dot com slash Jack Shrimp, and we're doing. A uh, whole bunch of stories kind of on the entirety of, of Jacksonville baseball history. Just some random teams. We just did one yesterday about the 1998 team, which they were really, really good. Yeah, 16 um, professionals and, on that team? 16 big leaguers, I mean? 16. I mean, most of the time you're lucky if you have three, and they had 16 major leaguers. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, So, and I think we've got some other cool stuff um, with our scorekeeper coming up and uh, some of the guys who are on our staff who were actually bat boys when they were kids in Jacksonville. Wow. So uh, there'll be some cool human interest stuff that, um, you know, we're trying to honor that as we wait to play our 2020 season. Yeah, so medium.com of... slash Jack Shrimp. All right, a lot of stories to tell. And again, tomorrow at noon, uh, opening day for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, a Facebook live event. So check out at Jack Shrimp on Facebook. Good luck with that, man. Thanks for jumping in. We appreciate it. It was fun celebrating minor league baseball and baseball in Jacksonville and especially the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Well, thank you guys for having me on. Really appreciate it. All right, uh, that's Scott Kornberg. By the way, I asked some favorite players tied between Victorino and Real Muto. Maybe slight edge to Real Muto because I was in awe of how he was a catcher who could hit triples and swipe bags. That's translated to the uh, Major League Baseball level, too. Uh, he's been fantastic. Let's see. I got a lot of these. Uh, well, they're way down here. Yelich on a bunch of them. Real Muto and Victorino, another one. Russell Martin and Matt Kemp. Sun's team was loaded. Kershaw, of course. Russell the Muscle. How good was that? And maybe J.P. Shadrick, who was here from 06 to 10 doing the games. Favorite, A.J. Ellis. Power, Stanton, Matt Kemp. Average, Yvonne Jesus Jr. Glove, Matt Dominguez. Starter, Kershaw. Relief, Matt Peterson. Fun playing golf, Kevin Randall, Lee Mitchell, Brian Peterson. Fun drinking beer, Matt Peterson, Casey Olenberger. Matt Peterson takes the cake a bunch. Or just a couple of times, I guess, starter and drinking beer. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Can't wait till Thursdays are back for a buck of beer. Can't wait, man. Let's get it. You got Yelich, one of the best of all time. Jacksonville hey, Suns. You don't, you don't got to tell me, Brent. I know. A fun day celebrating the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp and baseball in Jacksonville. Thanks for hanging out with us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We'll be back at it tomorrow, 3 to 6. You can watch and listen on 10 different platforms. And I'll see you tonight on TV, CBS 47 and Fox 30. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com.